I just think it'd be good to read the entire psalm together out loud. Could we do that? It's such a beautiful psalm, and I'd love for us to read it together corporately. And then after we do that, we'll come back and we'll reread verse 3 together. Could we read? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me take you back to verse 3 and allow me to read this to you one more time. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I'm preaching very simply for just a few moments tonight, paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. Early pray and ask the Lord to minister to our hearts in these remaining minutes that we have together. Lord. I am so grateful for your presence that has permeated this atmosphere. I'm thankful for the sacrifice of praise that has already been lifted up as a sweet-smelling savor. I pray that you would honor our praise. I pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people right now, God. And I pray that you would help me as a humble messenger to deliver what you have given to me for this service tonight. And I pray that we would receive it, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work that's intended for this moment. We love you. We magnify you. We glorify you, God. We exalt you above all things. And we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Every once in a while, it's good to delve as deeply as you can into a text. I've read the 23rd Psalm countless thousands of times, and the danger of reading familiar passages is that many times we skim over things, and we've heard it so often that it really doesn't penetrate our minds and our thinking. But recently the Lord directed my attention to the third verse. And I began to look at it. And I looked at that first line. He restoreth my soul. And I asked myself, what does that mean? What does it really mean that he restoreth my soul? I always thought it meant that God strengthens us when we are weak. And that's exactly how some translate this phrase. But the meaning goes much deeper than just a physical strengthening of our bodies. It literally means that God 
will bring our soul back from its wanderings or back from its wrongdoings. Nothing is more ready to wander astray than she. And nothing has more trouble finding its way back home than sheep do. And all we like sheep have gone astray. And we're always vulnerable to failure and we're vulnerable to backsliding. We're prone to leaving the right way, the way of truth and the way of duty. All of us are vulnerable to taking a detour onto the familiar brightly lit paths of unrighteousness. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said wide is the way that leadeth to destruction. But narrow is the way that leadeth to life everlasting. It's easy to get off course. It's easy to get lost. It's easy to just get on the busy highway that everybody else is jumping on that leads to destruction and just follow the traffic. It's easy to let the devil take the wheel of your life. And when the devil takes the wheel, he'll take you, as the old timers used to say, further than you wanted to go, and he'll charge you more than you could ever afford to pay on your own. And in those moments, you need to remember that God is a merciful God. You need to remember that God is a gracious God. God is a God of restoration. That's when you cry out to Jesus with your whole heart and say, My God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, Lord. Reach down and touch me once again. Refresh me. Renew me. And he will find you even when you have abandoned him. I'm resisting the temptation to preach all over the 23rd Psalm because there's so much beauty there. But it's the exact analogy that Jesus used when he talked of a shepherd who left the 90 and 9 and went to find just that one. Oh, Some of us need to understand that the nature of God is to seek and to save that which is lost. Hey, I want somebody to understand. You're weary and well-doing right now. You're backslidden in your spirit and nobody even knows it. I want you to understand that you have a good shepherd tonight. He's searching for you. He's looking for you. He's reaching to you right now in this moment. The spirit of God It's moving in this atmosphere. You say this is just Sunday night church and there's a lot of people out and there's a lot of people sick. I want you to know that God, his spirit right now in this very moment, if you can just allow yourself to reach out to him, he wants to minister to you. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, there's a song that that used to be fairly popular. I never liked it. I'm sorry. But the song said, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm giving you control. And I heard a preacher add to that. He said, when Jesus takes the wheel, he gets to set the temperature and choose the music and pick the route and change the direction and adjust all the settings because Jesus demands to do more than just take the wheel. He demands to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And that means he gets to set all of the directions that your life is going in. 
He's not just the fixer in our time of weakness. He is Lord. Someone said that with me. He is Lord. He is Lord. Someone said he's Lord of all. He's Lord of all. And he restoreth our souls. He shows us our errors. He brings us to repentance. I know that there's often a resistance when I come into a Sunday night atmosphere and preach about backsliding because we have a tendency to always resist anything that makes us look weak in our spirit. But can I tell you, one of the greatest discoveries that you can ever make in your spiritual journey is to understand that it is pride that goeth before a fall. When you understand that each and every one of us, I don't care how talented you are, I don't care how anointed you are, I don't care how many times you've spoken in other tongues, I don't care how many souls you've won, how many scriptures you've memorized, or how many prayers you've prayed, each and every one of us is susceptible to backsliding. And each and every one of us has to have moments where we humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God and say, God, forgive me. I'm a wretched sinner. My righteousness is like filthy rags in your presence, Lord. I bow down at your majesty. Oh, I wish apostolic tabernacle would get a refreshing of humility where we could bow down in the presence of God. We, oh, hallelujah. We will never experience the Shekinah glory of God. We will never have the kind of services where we leave drunk in the Holy Ghost until we learn how to get down on our knees and humble ourselves in the presence of God. We've got to stop playing church and pretending like everything's all right. We've got to get desperate for God. We've got to get hungry for God. We have to lose ourselves in His presence and realize that each and every one of us is in danger of losing everything until we learn how to humble ourselves. I'm glad that God is a God of forgiveness. Are you glad of that? I'm glad that He is a forgetful God. He knows how to forget about our past. Are you thankful for that? Because if He was not so, we would wander endlessly and we would be undone. The Bible indicates that God can heal our backsliding. That word healing is interesting because it indicates that God literally views backsliding like a deadly disease that needs immediate care. God recognizes that backsliding is more than just something that that is to be taken casually. But backsliding is like a cancer that will get a hold of your life. But I'm glad to tell you that God, not only can he heal your blindness, not only can he heal your physical body, but God can breathe the breath of life into your backsliding. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. We can take our weakness and we can take our doubt And we can take our unbelief and we can take our failures and we can take our sin to the great physician. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Micah 7 says it so beautifully. Rejoice not against me on mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Oh, hallelujah. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. 
I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. You want to know what one of the great cures for backsliding is? Begin to behold his righteousness. Look unto his majesty. Lift up your eyes and look at the greatness of your God. There's nothing that will humble you more than when you begin to contemplate the greatness of your God. If you just compare yourself to your brother sitting beside you or your sister sitting behind you, you will always have a measure of pride. But when you look up to God, the author and the finisher of your faith, there is no vestige of pride that can bear up against the glory, against the glory and the greatness of God. Oh, hallelujah. And not only does he restore, someone said restore. Not only does he restore our souls, but he leadeth me. He leadeth me. Once God restores us, he will be our leader. He will lead us wherever he chooses. The old song says, where he leads me, I will follow. From the garden to the cross, where he leads me, I will follow. Sometimes, if we're being honest, we would admit that we try to lead God. Anybody ever tried to lead God? If you have, you know that it's a futile endeavor. Sometimes we try to manipulate God's will to fit our carnal desires. But all of those efforts end in pain and frustration because God is unchanging. And God is all-powerful. We cannot share in God's lordship. When you try to lead God, when you try to manipulate God's will, when you try to twist the scriptures to fit your agenda, it always leads in frustration because what you're really doing is you're trying to share in the lordship of God. But he alone is lord of all. He alone is lord. We can end a lot of difficult lessons and we can put a lot of turmoil to rest right now if we simply surrender everything and allow God to lead us in all, 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 all things. That means God leads our finances. (laughs) That means that God leads our Distribution of our time. That means that God leads our entertainment choices. Hmm. Boy, I'm not going to get a whole lot of help right now, am I? God leads our, our future. God gets to lead in our outward appearance. Oh, it's going to get real quiet. God gets to decide our wardrobe choices. We did say everything. We did say he was Lord of all. See, we say it sometimes, but we forget that all means all. That means everything. He gets to choose our conversation. 
our families, our jobs, every area of our life is to be led of God. And so, the psalmist tells us that first, he restores our soul. And when God restores our soul, he takes control and he leads us. And the Bible says that he doesn't just lead us anywhere, but he leads us in paths of righteousness. Oh, that's beautiful. I wish somebody would lift up your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, help me right now, God. I'm about to have to preach in a moment here, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Paths of righteousness. Paths indicate well-walked trails that others have blazed. It's a trail that goes off of the paved roads, but it's well-worn by the travelers that have gone before, and they created a natural path through difficult terrain. Anybody ever walked a path in the woods before and, and you get out and you realize I, one time I remember I was young and we used to go to Michigan and believe it or not, they have forests in Michigan. And I was out in Grandpa French's cabin and Uncle Chuck, he was a troublemaker. He got us kids out in the woods and he was trying to convince us that, that there was some kind of monster that lived out there. And he had gone ahead of time and he had put tracks in the ground. He had these special shoes and he had, he had put pretend tracks in the ground. And he had us out there so afraid. He got us out there at dusk. And then he purposely, you have to understand, Uncle Chuck is a woodsman. I mean a real woodsman. And uh, he got us out there and then he abandoned us on purpose. I have still not forgiven him. If the Lord came back right now, I'd probably have to have about 30 seconds to forgive Uncle Chuck. No, I'm, well, no, I really haven't. He left us out there. And, and we're looking at these tracks, and we were afraid, and he got us right out in the woods. There are no trails. I mean, in the woods where it's thorns. If you ever really get out in the woods, you know there's thorns and thistles. It's not, it's not like... It's not like walking out in, in the city somewhere. And, and, uh, and I remember we had a, a little flashlight. And I remember how happy we were when we came across a little footpath. I mean, it was, it was nothing to look at. It was just about a foot and a half wide. And you could just see that there were people and animals and things that had just kind of carved out a natural footpath in the ground. Can I tell you? When, you, when I found that, it made all the difference for us in that moment. It's the same in the spirit. There are things that you need to find in the spirit. There are paths that the elders and pastors and preachers and prophets and men and women of God who have gone before, we need to lose the spirit of the last days to say we don't care what the elders think. We need to understand that there are some things, there are some people who have already blazed a trail, paths of righteousness. Hey, they weren't just doing it because they wanted to be different. They did it because they had spent time in prayer. 
Oh my God. They had spent time in the word of God. I'm not talking about people who played video games all day long. I'm talking about people who love the word of God and said, what does the Lord want us to do to be pleasing? And they carved out trails in the wilderness. And they carved out trails in places where you could barely put one foot in front of the other. And now we have the an obligation to walk in paths of righteousness. Oh, in the prophet Jeremiah's days, Israel rejected the Lord's ways. And that's why they called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. You need to be careful how you look at ministries. I, I know here at Apostolic Tabernacle, we're excited about the revival that we've been in for some time. And we've seen growth, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for the blessings of God. But you have to be careful how you begin to view ministries because God doesn't look at things the way that we do sometimes. God isn't interested in just having a crowd. God has never been interested in just having a crowd. God is interested in having a chosen, separated people who love him. And if you were to just look at the prophet Jeremiah's ministry in the days that he lived, you would have judged him as a failure by today's standards. He preached his entire life and saw very little results from his preaching. He wept over his own people and they laughed at him and they mocked at him. You have to be very careful when you start laughing at the things of God and when you start laughing at men and women of God. Hey, paths of righteousness are no joking matter. Paths of righteousness aren't something that we should just casually look at and then turn our backs to it because there are some things that are so holy and there are some things that are so powerful. You better get serious about the word of God. You better get serious about the anointing. You better get serious about the preached word. You better get serious about this thing that we call the Bible because it's what's going to take us to the throne room of God. It's the very thing that's going to allow us to stand before God on judgment day and hear those words well done my good and faithful servant Jeremiah preached but in spite of his preaching the entire nation of Israel began to follow whatever roads looked good to them doesn't that sound familiar and the Lord rebuked the people and said, stop at the crossroads and look around. And God said, ask for the old godly paths. Find directions to the old way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, no. We will not walk in them. God said, I posted a watchman over you. I gave you a preacher. I gave you a prophet. I gave you a pastor who said, listen for the sound of the alarm. But you said, no, we will not heed the alarm. Therefore. 
before God said, listen, all you nations, take note of my people's situation. Listen, all the earth, and I will bring disaster to my people. It is the fruit of their own schemes because they refuse to listen to me. They have rejected my word. I have a message from the Lord tonight for this generation. You better look for the old paths of righteousness. You better listen to the voice of the watchman that God has placed over your life. And you better start saying, how? How can I be pleasing to God? I don't care what Beyonce says. I don't care what Osteen says. I don't care what Dr. Phil says. Find me an old path. Find me an old way. I don't care what Hollywood says. Find me an old path of righteousness and let me walk therein so that I can be pleasing to God. Oh, check your spirit. Are you more concerned with what the magazine cover says? Are you concerned with what the word of God says? Are you more concerned with what your friends at school think? Are you concerned with what God says? Are you more concerned about what your co-workers think about you? Or are you looking for the old paths that are going to lead you to righteousness? I have a feeling that there are thousands of people all over the Atlanta area who have realized that the new paths have failed them. They've realized that the new way has left them wanting more and they're looking for the old way that leads to righteousness, that leads to everlasting life. I wish somebody go ahead and clap your hands and say I'm looking for the right path. I'm looking for the way of righteousness. Proverbs 12 and 28 says in the way Someone said the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. Now that's not talking about physical death. How many understand that? Because every one of us, unless the trumpet sounds, we're going to die at one time or another. But this is talking, that word death is literally talking about immortality or ever lasting life. See, the paths of righteousness are what lead you to heaven. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul meant in Hebrews 12 and 14 when he said, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Proverbs 8 and 20 says that wisdom, someone said wisdom, leads in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment. What does that mean? It means literally that there is a path to judgment, and there's a path in the midst of that. It's a narrower path. It's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. And so there's this wide path and the crowd is heading to judgment. But somewhere, somewhere in the midst of that, there is a narrow way and it's a righteous path and it leads to life everlasting. And everyone who calls themselves a child of God is called to look for the narrow way. You've got to find it and then 
you've got to walk in it. You've got to hold on to it. And you say, but preacher, but preacher, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to be righteous? I've got some Bible for you right now. When it's dark, when it's hard to see your way. Did you know if you walk with God long enough, there's going to be times of darkness where it's hard to know what is right and what is wrong? Let me give you a little tip. If you don't care what's right and you don't care what is wrong, you will choose the wrong thing. The first step on the path to righteousness is to have a heart that says, Lord, (laughs) reveal your will to me, God. I want to know. If you say, I don't care, I don't even want to hear about that, then you've got the wrong spirit. But if you have a spirit that says, lead me, Lord, (laughs) and I will follow God, (laughs) I'm going to take time and consider your word. (laughs) I'm going to take time and think about it because I want to find the old path. Sometimes you might have to look a little bit for the old path because it's narrow and it's sometimes in the dark places and you've got to get over to it and say get me back on the path Lord I've gotten off of it somehow I've wandered and now I'm in the wilderness God and that's where somebody is right now in a wilderness you were in the path at one point but somehow you drifted from the paths of righteousness and now you're looking and can I tell you how you're going to find it the psalmist it was the psalmist again who said, thy word. Is a lamp unto my feet. And a light. Unto. My path. When you're wondering. Don't go to the magazine. Don't go to the gossip section. Don't look up some page on Facebook. No, 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 no. Get the word. Get the word. Go back to the word. Go back to the word. You know what amazes me? I have people who come to me and, and they, I know that some things aren't easy. I know sometimes we have to think through questions. As know that when you're on the journey and you're trying to walk the paths of righteousness, sometimes you have to think through some things carefully and you, and you have to consider things carefully. But, but I, I'm amazed at how many people will come to me questioning old paths, questioning the wisdom of elders, questioning the wisdom of ministry in particular areas. And when they begin to talk to me about it, they never, ever, ever quote a single scripture. I I have no trouble. Oh, it got quiet, but I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm helping somebody tonight. I understand that sometimes we open the Word of God and we question things from the Word of God. And that's okay. We can talk about those things and we can, and we can do it prayerfully and with the right spirit. But, but oh, I'm going to tell you, it reveals something about an individual's character when they begin to argue about holy things and they never crack open their Bible. Hallelujah. We need His Word. To be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Stand with me. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's 
sake. See, he does it. He restores us. He leads us into righteousness. And when he does, it brings glory and it brings honor to his name. How many want your life? Now think about this for a moment. I I know we're ending and some of us are checking out. But how many want your life to bring glory to his name? Sister Nicole, help me sing this. We're going to sing this in closing. I want to open up this altar. How many would come and stand with me and say, Brother Ryan, I want to walk in paths of righteousness. Could we we come and say, Lord, I, I know sometimes it's difficult. I know sometimes it's the narrow way. I know sometimes it's the difficult way. But Lord, I've committed that your word would be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. the glory to God be the glory to God be the glory for the things he has done he has saved me with his on I want to do something tonight just for a moment I'm not going to keep you long I'm not trying to manipulate a move of God but symbolically I if you're 50 years old or older I consider you an elder some of you 50 year olds may not like that I'm sorry but I consider you an elder I wonder if some of us young folks could make make room and I'd like our elders to just gather along the front of this altar if we could. Elders who have blazed a trail, walked paths of righteousness, left legacies of faith, who have loved the things of God. There are people right here. I want want the young person to listen to me. There are people right here who have loved God longer than you have been alive. That's no small thing. That's not something to take lightly or to be casual about. And so what I'd like us to do, I'd I'd like some of us young people to stretch out our hands and pray for these elders and say, and I want us to look at their example and say, you know what, I, I I want my life to bring glory to God like these elders' lives have brought glory to God. Can we do that? Can we just stretch out our hands and thank the Lord for the legacy of faith? Thank you, Jesus, for elders, God, who have walked in paths of righteousness for your namesake, Lord, who have loved your word, who have suffered for your word, who have sacrificed for your word, God. They've they've given of their time. They've given of their finances, God. They've given of their health and their wealth and their energy, Lord, and they've They've sacrificed. They've walked away from worldly opportunities, God, because 
they were committed to paths of righteousness Lord I I pray that you would get a hold of the remaining generations the generations that follow get a hold of my generation Lord that we would fall in love with righteousness that that we wouldn't be casual about it that we wouldn't manipulate the scripture to our own agenda but God but God that we would walk in the way that you lead lead me Lord 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 And we will follow. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.